Good morning. I am thrilled to be here, um, and I do not say that uh, at every church I show up at on a Sunday to preach. And um, I said, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I just said, I really believe um, that God um, is going to do something today that I have no idea um, what it is in terms of our lives. What I want to talk to you um, this morning about is dreams. Um, I'm going to get right to it, and I'm going to talk to you about um, the dream that this church has and that Mission India has, and that's this belief that Jesus changes everything. Um, and I want to talk to you about the battles that come when you're trying to live that dream. Oh, I'm going to talk um, to this church about how they should surround Pastor Logan as he leads that dream. I want to talk to business people who see their businesses as a catalyst to create financial resources to give to local and global causes because Jesus changes everything. I want to talk to people who are speaking powerful words into loved ones' lives about areas where they're, they're experiencing all kinds of hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and, and because you know that Jesus changes everything, but there's this resistance, there's all this pushback. Um, and I want to encourage you today in terms of what God's doing globally to push through that and what God can do in all of our lives to push through those seasons of opposition in the midst of, of daring to dream God's dream. As we look at that, I want to start with a story. There's a story about a boy named Johnny. It seems like all stories are about a boy named Johnny, don't they? <clears throat> well, Johnny, his dad was an itinerant horse trainer. And because of that, they moved around all the time. Um, Johnny never was in any school longer than two years. By the time he was a senior in high school, he was just looking forward to putting the whole thing behind him. But his final assignment was he had to write a paper on the plan for his life, what he was going to do with his life. So I want to say he had to write a paper on the dream for his life. And for the first time, he was excited because he had a dream. And that dream was to own 100 acres and raise and train 100 horses. And he wrote that dream and he turned it in to his teacher and he was excited and a week later that, that paper came back and it had a giant red letter F on it with a note that said, Johnny, your father never amounted to anything and I'm afraid you won't either and you need to come down to earth. I'm gonna give you a week to rewrite the paper and you can turn it in but think of something that you can actually accomplish. So, Johnny was kind of heartbroken, took the paper, um, went home, brought it back to the teacher, and even in a bigger red letter marker, he wrote, you keep your F, and I'm going to keep my dream. And Johnny grew up, that dream became true, a book was written on his life, and Hollywood made a major movie motion picture about his whole entire life. And that's, a, and that's a common dream, and there's all kinds of attacks, and it, and it seems like when you dream God's dream, there are forces of evil that want to just kick the dream right out of you. And that's what I want to talk about today. You study dreams in the Bible, okay? You study Abraham, you study Noah, you study Ruth, you study Mary, Joseph, Peter, Paul, and you're going to see this pattern of how God gives them a dream, they begin to implement, move forward, and there's all kinds of opposition, there's faith challenges, and what you'll find is if they persevere in the dream, 
God will always bring them to a place of fulfillment. So we're going to look at Acts 16, 6 through 12. Um, We're going to look at Paul's dream. This is one of the greatest dreams, I think, in Scripture because it's his second missionary journey, um, and the context of this passage is amazing. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. We stand in anticipation and eagerness of what God's going to do. Before I read God's Word, let's pray. I pray, dear God, for your power um, to be showered upon us. I pray, dear Lord, for the Holy Spirit to have his way with each and every one of us. I pray, dear God, that you would encourage and lift up and fortify those who are in the midst of the battle of the dream. We ask this in your name. Amen. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When, it came to the, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a dream. He had a dream of a man from Macedonia standing and begging, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen that vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So the first thing I want to say is, I've always wanted a Ford F-250 King Cab truck. I just can't quite get my mind as I read the Bible to get me to a place where to say that's God's dream for my life. Dreams are always centered on, on the gospel, on sharing with people that Jesus Christ can change everything. It's interesting, this text, I would say this is probably one of the most catalytic texts in the Bible. This is the most important text in terms of church history because this is where the gospel begins to turn towards Rome, turn towards the West. The reason we're here today as followers of Christ is because of Paul's faith to believe in this dream. And because of the position I hold with Mission India, I get a front row seat to the power of people following God's dream every day. There's a story about an eight-year-old boy in India who came to one of our children's Bible club. He was like most kids in India. In fact, he was like 82% of all kids. He came from a Hindu family where they worship 133 million different deities. His dad was an alcoholic and spent the little bit of money they had on alcohol, and there was very little left for the family. He wasn't one of those loving alcoholics. He was one of those mean alcoholics, and he regularly um, abused this little boy's mother. Well, one day a friend of his invited him to one of our um, Bible clubs, and he really saw it as an escape from the insanity of his home. So he went to that Bible club, and, and you have to understand that the Hindu religion is built on prayer. The Hindus pray more than many believers pray. And, and as this little boy went to this Bible club, the teacher was teaching on prayer. 
And he was very um, intrigued. She was talking about how Jesus answers our prayers. She was giving all kinds of examples, so much so that he went up to the teacher afterwards, and he was really kind of nervous, and he had a question for her, and, and she could see that, and, and she said, can I help you? Do you have a question? He kind of stammered, and out it came, and, and he said, if I pray to Jesus to kill my dad, will he kill my dad? And that teacher was so sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, she didn't chastise him, she didn't shame him, she just recognized that this little boy had been damaged so much he, he, didn't even, he didn't understand that Jesus can change everything. And that's the dream she planted in his heart. She said, how about if we don't pray to Jesus to kill your dad? How about if we pray to Jesus to change your dad? And that little boy went home that night and same thing that happened is dad came in, him and his brother were hiding under their beds and dad came in drunk and when he passed out in bed, in the middle of the night, this little boy um, crept out of bed, and he prayed that simple five-word prayer. He stood over his dad with his hands, and he said, Jesus, please change my dad. His mom woke up. She was nervous. He was going to wake up dad, and violence would occur, so she shushed him off to bed, and this became a regular occurrence for weeks. Eventually, mom got tired of pushing him back to bed, and decided to join him in that prayer. And this went on for months. And you know where I'm going because Jesus does change everything. He answered that prayer and he changed that little boy's dad. And because of the change in his life, they lived in this slum and all the people were, were, were mesmerized that somebody who was so miserable could be changed so much and all the other people started wondering and wanting to hear about who Jesus is and transformation slowly started to happen in that slung because we all know who Jesus is and what Jesus can do. This dream was preceded by another dream and that was the dream of our founder. His name is John DeVries and John was working for the Bible League at the time in, uh, which is based in Chicago. He wrote this little study, evangelism-based Bible study, called Project Philip. It's a story of how Philip leads the Ethiopian eunuch to Christ. And that study just went crazy. And John found himself traveling globally, all over the world, training people how to lead others in that study. And one morning he woke up in India, and, and John said, India is an assault on the senses. The people, the sounds, the smell, idols everywhere. And, and he said, Lord, I will go anywhere you want me to go. But please, dear Lord, never, ever take me to India. And I have John's own words of that dream, and this is what John says. John says, toward the end of my first, two, my first trip to India, I was feeling almost paralyzed by the burden of India by the spiritual darkness, ignorance, cultural obstacles, and stubborn resistance to God. And so I prayed, Lord, send me anywhere in the world, but please never send me to India again. And in response, the Lord sent me a dream. It was a dream of the nation of India covered in total darkness, but slowly, little tiny points of light 
began to appear and then more and more and hundreds of thousands until the darkness was gone from the power of God's word to impact Indian communities and families with the love of Jesus Christ. As I hear about John's story, the amazing thing to me is not that he just had a dream, but it's that he had the faith to put the dream into action. I think that's true about Paul, too, and what I love in our text is where, where it says, we got ready at once. I love the quick obedience um, that is in our passage in terms of following God's dream. And the most amazing thing is not that God gives us dreams, but that people have the faith to move forward. When the whole entire dream isn't laid out before them, when every I isn't dotted and, and, and T is crossed. So the, the overwhelming nature of India and John's ability to step into there is amazing. I mean, India is 1.4 billion people. 1,600 different dialects and languages. 82% of the people, as I said earlier, are Hindus, and they worship 330 million deities. I'm not talking about that they worship their lawn or their cottage or their Ford F-250. I'm talking they worship gods made with human hands. It's the third largest Muslim nation in the world. In terms of poverty, half of the population lives on less than $3 a day, and one out of every three women are illiterate. So we began our work into India, and as you understand the demographics and the culture of India, you won't be surprised to hear that in India we do one thing three ways. We equip Indian Christians to plant churches through church planner training, launching adult literacy classes, and starting children's Bible clubs. And we will only sponsor this work for one year because our founder had a favorite saying, and that is we don't want to cripple converts with cash. So we, we after one year, they have to have planted a church, and that church has, has to be um, self-supporting, self-governing, elders and deacons in place, and self-propagating. On average size church that we plant is anywhere from, from nine to 20 people. I've been in India, and I've been in churches we planted as big as 300, and I've been in um, in churches as small as, as six to seven people. But scripture tells us where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And, and it's that power then that, that, goes, that goes forward. And the responsiveness in India is amazing. I, I, I really wish I could share with you the, the impact, but um, we have some Hindu extremists that track us, and we're not sure if they're, when, when, any, when I'm online or not, that they're whatever, so I can't share those numbers with you, um, but God's doing an amazing thing, and I want to tell you the foundation of it all. This is the foundation. I mean, the literacy programs are great, you know. Um, what we do in our kids' program is, is wonderful. Our training for, for everything is, is amazing, and I'll even relate it to the church. I'm sure, um, Logan, the pumpkin pie um, and the potato bar is going to be great, but I understand why you're doing everything you're doing because you want to bring people in to interact with, to understand Jesus through the power of his word. It's all based on the power of his word. The reason we offer programs, the reason you offer programs, is to invite people in to meet people right where they're at and have them discover the power of the gospel. I mean, when you go to India, when you 
are trying to reach people, the question is, where do you start? Well, if you study the Bible, you study Paul in his second missionary journey, he started the same place every time. Start with the power of God's word. So in Acts 16 through 18, Paul goes to Thessalonica, and the Bible says he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. He goes to Berea, and we hear Paul say, you received the word with joy and with much affliction and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes to Athens, and it says, Paul taught the scriptures there, and they received it, examining the scriptures every single day. He goes to Corinth. Now, in Corinth, there's a temple that is made to Aphrodite. She's the sex goddess. There's thousands of prostitutes who work um, at this temple, and they come down into the city every night to apply their trade, and you think, oh my goodness, the overwhelming nature of that, where would you start? Maybe a pancake breakfast, or, you know, I, I don't know. No, Paul starts with the power of God's word. It says, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, I, I just love some of the words in scripture, Paul was occupied with the word testifying that Christ was Jesus, and many opposed and reviled him. And right there is the tension of the entire dream. There is spiritual opposition. There are forces at work that will try to destroy the dream. The word of God transforms people's lives, but not everyone is transformed by it. Some debate it. Some oppose it because we're in the midst of a spiritual battle. What I've come to understand since, since I've worked in India, what I come to understand when I pastored um, a church that was a lot like this church, um, just focused on reaching people in the community, that spiritual momentum will bring spiritual opposition. The, they go together like a um, hand in a glove. In Acts chapter 17, you, you see where Paul is, is taken by a, a, a crowd. He's brought before the magistrate, and they bring these charges against Paul. They say, these men are turning the world upside down. All they do is contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king who is Jesus. Now, I don't know if they meant this as a compliment, but it certainly is. Because what they are saying is that Paul and Silas are changing a pagan world. They're turning the world upside down. And Jesus Christ, the power of his word, testifies that there is another kingdom, there is another king that can, that can spiral other kingdoms and nations and rulers and principalities and powers of this dark world. The word can dismantle and destroy all of them because Jesus Christ came into this world to change and transform everything. We're in India because it's the most unreached nation in the world, but we're in India because it's the most responsive nation in the world, and that is a testimony to the power of God. But it doesn't come without a price. 
When I started at Mission India 10 years ago, um, in terms of open doors, uh, which is in Southern California, they're an international watch group that, that um, tracks persecution of Christians. When I came 10 years ago, India was rated number 32nd. 32nd, worst nation in the world that persecutes Christians. Today, they, they move back and forth between number 10 and number 11. I was just with our executive director last week um, for a meeting, and last week alone, we had 58 of our partners arrested and put in jail. 12 states in India have what are called anti-conversion laws, where you can go to prison for five years. And I could talk um, all, all day about the persecution and opposition, but whenever you talk about that, you have to talk about the power of God in the midst of it. And, uh, you know, we have a video that we're going to show that just gets at it better um, than I ever could. So let's uh, watch that video, and then I'm going to come up and, and conclude it, and then invite Pastor Logan up. Because some family or some church somewhere decided they were going to sponsor the planting of that church in that village. The amazing thing about that story is, you know, his son had this vision, this dream to become a pastor. Well, his dad, Unga, decided he was going to fulfill that dream. So he um, began entering into our church planter training. However, Unga's illiterate, and we won't accept um, illiterate um, church planters. So what he's doing is he's enrolled in our literacy course so he can learn to read and write, and then he's going to enroll to become a church pastor. And the core of the dream, we, we call that, that video, um, Christ's Love Compels Me. We, you, you could call it, um, Jesus Changes Everything. And, and that's just the core of it. And that's, and that's the core of our partnership. And there's a great word I'd like to bless this church with. This church has a glocal, can you say it with me? Glocal, a glocal vision of what Jesus can do locally and globally and I'm telling you, we're humbled to partner with you because you're the real deal. Let's pray. Our great God and heavenly Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the activity of the Holy Spirit in this church. We thank you for the vision and the dream of Christ's love, how, how, how you, dear Jesus, can change everything. Dear Lord, if there's anyone here and they think they're at an impasse, they think they can't get a breakthrough, we pray, dear God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that they would be encouraged today by your word and they would realize that if they continue to persevere that you indeed will deliver them. We thank you, dear God, for who you are. We thank you for all the lives that have been changed through Jesus Christ in this community and around the world because of this church. Amen.